to a new series from the Messy Reformation. There's been a lot of discussion and deliberation coming out of Synod 2022 around issues of sexuality. Much of the discussion has focused on whether the decisions made were good or bad, helpful or hurtful. However, Synod made some other declarations that we need to pay attention to. Synod repeatedly encouraged churches throughout the CRC to start having discussions about what it looks like to do pastoral care with those who are sexually struggling. Synod stated that the Human Sexuality Report offered sound introductory guidance for churches that should serve as conversation starters on how to best do pastoral care in these circumstances. Synod also stated that continuing conversation around pastoral care might have a powerful influence on elements of congregational life, such as gospel preaching, faith formation, the diaconate, our missional calling, the sacraments, and church discipline. With these strong encouragements from Synod for continued conversation on the topic of pastoral care for the sexually struggling, the Messy Reformation has decided to begin having some of those conversations, and we plan on dropping these episodes every Wednesday evening. We want to state right away at the beginning of each episode that we view these conversations as the beginning of a conversation. There's no way we can comprehensively discuss every element of pastoral care in such a small period of time. However, we want to start having the conversation and build from here. It's also important to remember that conversations go both ways. We don't want these conversations to remain between the people on the podcast. We want you to get involved as well. As you're listening to these conversations, we would love for you to be in conversation with us. We'd love for you to write down any questions, concerns, or pushback you may have, or anything you really loved about each episode. Then send that feedback to us at themessyreformation at gmail.com. We'll use your feedback to help us build future episodes to further answer your questions and concerns and then further the conversation. We're really excited about the opportunity to begin moving this conversation forward in a way that equips the saints, builds up the church, and brings glory and honor to God. So, get your pens and journals and enjoy the next conversation in our series, Pastoral Care for the Sexually Struggling. Kat, I have a question for you. <clears throat> you about 10 minutes ago, you said, I'm a trans person. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that means, especially in light of your, your Christian faith and your relationship to Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so when I found the word transgender um, and I looked at the definition and um, that Yeah. So the definition being an umbrella term to describe one's disconnection that they feel from their internal self of how they see themselves and their biology. So it's just describing that disconnection. So I am not necessarily making any type of statement about um, a different pronoun or a different name or the fact that I'm going to start um, hormones or anything like that or transitioning. It's simply to describe the disconnection that I that I feel. Now, I say that, but somebody else may use that term very differently and intend something differently. And this is where, like, there's kind of built-in curiosity within the LGBTQ conversation. It's an opportunity for not us to know everything about it and be able to respond. It's an invitation to be able to ask a question of, like, if somebody is saying, you know, I identify as trans, oh my goodness, okay, can you tell me what you mean by that? Or how does that, how do you experience 
um, something like that. There's like built-in curiosity for us. Um, and so that's how I intend and, and mean um, how to how to describe my experience. I think it's language is so um, crucial uh, to for me who grew up want to understand or like t- uh, articulate my sexuality, let alone my gender identity. So now the fact that I have a term that can that I can use to describe how I see how I experience the world is so freeing. Um, so being able to, yeah, tell you basically in a word that I have a disconnection between my, my biology and my internal self of how I see myself. Now, how that pertains to me and God and how I reconcile that, um, is that I don't think God is surprised by my dysphoria and I don't think he's freaking out. I think that, um, I, I see and I don't know if I'm just an optimist, but I see so many benefits and positives to how he's made me. Hmm. Um, I love being athletic. I love kind of like just being able to jump in there and, and um, yeah, and just, and just play and, and, and be who I am in that and how he's gifted me in that. But also um, I don't look like your typical, I think Christian. And so I'm able to kind of bridge the gap between not only maybe people who also don't necessarily look like they're Christian, but also with conservatives of like maybe somebody who would never have talked to a gay person or an LGBT person. Um, we click well, I think, you know, we, we've, I found myself in many um, amazing conversations. And so um, anyway, I just think that, that he's not surprised and he's not shocked by, by how, um, I identify and how I've experienced the, the world. Um, but that actually he's uniquely allowed it to happen that way. Yeah. Did Let me, thank you. Let me ask a follow-up. Is it okay if I ask a follow-up, Jason? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you, the stereotypes of being feminine and masculine, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, as I recall, you and Lori had some really important conversations about that. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. So types. Yeah. I found myself um, really being bound up by them. It was, it you know, just suffocated and almost like choked out by them. Um, and so it's really helpful when, and and what I needed in that time was to, and and still do, um, is I needed people to be able to see cat for cat and not cat for the female or not cat for the trans person. I needed people to just be curious about who I was. And so, and, and, and that relates to stereotypes because if people were all of a sudden assuming things based on my biology or my identity of how I was identifying. Um, yeah, you'd probably be wrong. Uh, because like, for instance, I absolutely love the chick flick, uh, the devil wears Prada. Amazing movie. Amazing. I absolutely love it. So if a group of women were going to watch that and they were assuming that, Oh, well, because cats trans and doesn't really align with a lot of feminine things. If we were to just not invite cat, I would feel really unseen because I love that movie. I definitely want to have like hot chocolate and watch it. But on the other hand, 
Um, if somebody said like, well, because you're a woman, I don't want, like, I'm not going to offer you to open this jar of tomato sauce or something like that because I can't get it open. I don't feel seen in that because I'm strong. I like to lift. I'm athletic. I'm like, no, let me do that. Like, let me help. I'm also a helper. And so just approaching a person really open to being like, I don't, I don't know. And not allowing stereotypes to start formulating, um, yeah, what you conclude about that person, if that makes sense. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I relate to that. Uh, we were talking before this all officially started. I was saying, you know, my my wife and my four daughters are all hockey players, right? And so, not your typical feminine. And my my oldest two daughters played boys hockey with 19 year old boys. So they're pretty tough. And so they're not your typical girly girls. Right. And they would actually hate the movie, a devil wears Prada. <laughs> and so like, yeah, we can, it's, it's funny that we can, we can get into all of these kind of, yeah. Stereotypical stereotypical things where my girls, yeah, they, they'll sometimes do the same thing. Like I would rather hang out with the hick guys than all of the, the girly girly stuff. Cause that just annoys me, you know? And, uh, and it's helpful to just kind of move beyond some of that to, to a degree. For sure. Yeah. Dave, I want to, I want to jump in and just ask you, so you, you know, you've talked about how in your church you've, you've had, you know, you've had quite a bit of experience ministering in these different types of uh, different struggles with, with sexuality. And so I'd be curious because a lot of people who are going to listen to this are pastors, but not just pastors, office bearers. And I think any Christian anymore really needs to have some more wisdom and understanding on how to engage when we encounter people who are, who are, who are struggling in these ways. So um, kind of what's been your approach as, as you've encountered people or, or um, as people have approached you and said, here's what I'm struggling with. Um, what, you know, like Kat said, what does God have to say about me? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Jason, one of the things I, I, I did, I learned this along the way, um, that a good pastor asks a lot of questions. Um, so I actually set up my office. So I had, I, I would turn away from my computer when someone came in, there was a round table in front of me. And right behind the person was a big clock, um, not a digital, but with the numbers. So I could look at somebody's face and without changing my eyes, I could see what time it was. <clears throat> and I, I had this commitment. Even if somebody within five minutes would ask me a question like, what do I do about this, pastor? I, I would discipline myself to not responded, I would say something like, let's just say it was Kat. I would say, Kat, I want to answer your question, but um, I have a few questions of my own first that I I want to, I don't want to answer too quickly. Um, I just want to learn more about you. So I would do that for at least a half an hour. And I don't think that's just about sexuality. I think that's about anything, right, people bring, bring to you. So um, asking questions, asking questions, um, compassionate curiosity is a, is a term that I, I use about that. Um, I think <clears throat> the other thing is that I would, I would say to them, um, let's just say that one of the persons identified as trans and, and this particular young woman I'm thinking about, I got to know her when she was 14 and I affirmed her like crazy. The first meeting I said, 
I'm old enough to be your father, maybe even your grandfather at that point. Um, so I'm, a, I'm of a different generation. So I need your help to understand your generation. I know the Bible really well. I've gone to school for years about it, and I preached on it, and I believe it deeply. And I will tell you what I think the Bible says. What I can't tell you, and I can't even tell myself, is what it's like to live in your world. So I, I, you can help me be a, pet, a better pastor, not just to you, but to other young women in the congregation or young men in the congregation. And I, I had to say that not just as a strategy to be a good pastor, but to really mean it. Um, so I think that was part of it. The other thing is that they almost always had stuff they had read or watched. So I would say to them, What's, what could you give me that would help me understand your thinking? And they always had something to give me. And I said, well, I make a deal with you then. I've got something I want you to read. You know, let's just say it's a book. They're a reader. Some of them aren't readers. And then I'll say, I have a podcast I want you to listen to. And let's give it two weeks and let's get back together. And I want you to tell me what you think of my podcast. And I'll tell you what I think of your book or your or your um, your article or your podcast that you uh, you shared with me. And that's another way of honoring them and honoring the process they're going through. Um, it also meant I had to do some reading. So I would dedicate, this sounds crazy for busy pastors, but I, I would dedicate five hours a week. I'd write it in my schedule. And I've read now about 45 um, books on, on sexuality and the gospel. or um, and, and some of them are books People gave to me and said, this is a game changer. Um, like they they read Justin Lee's book, Torn, and, and they just were totally convinced by it. And, and so I would read it and I would underline it. I would read it again. I would write a, a notes on it. And then I would meet them and talk to them about what I thought of it. And um, I'm just, uh, let me just close with this or close this part of the question um, that you're asking, Jason, is that. Um, I think this is the hottest issue in Western culture right now and in church culture. And I think as a pastor, if you're not reading and studying and listening and preaching and teaching on this, you are, um, it's pastoral malpractice. I use that, that term that strongly, uh, which is why I think, because your people are getting trained and catechized by the culture around them. And if they don't hear a, a well thought through, um, well communicated, lovingly with a shepherd's heart, Christian view of what's going on, you're just not pastoring them well. That's I feel that way about um, parents with children as well. And it's hard work and you got to put the work in because it's the way you love your your children and your flock. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> well, my own amens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, uh, you know, I, I felt the same. So I took a class at seminary on, on sexuality and marriage. And so we spent the whole semester and I think, um, it was with a professor that challenged us. And so we probably read 10 books over the semester. It was a lot of reading. And, uh, but what that did for me 
not only did it help just it helped me understand because we read books that we disagreed with and we agreed with and we interacted with and we wrote papers and um but i remember walking out of that class going one why the heck did it take me this long to start figuring some of this out and dive so much deeper into this and understand it more this was this was ridiculous but two it gave me a level of confidence to go okay now I can start having some of these conversations with people. And even though I'm not, maybe not going to have all the answers or, or whatever, but I've, I've dove deep enough to, you know, as Kat had said, I have some of the language now and I have words to, to say, is this what you're feeling or is this what you're experiencing? And, and just, it actually gave me the ability to be more curious. It didn't solve all the answers, but it gave me the ability to ask some good questions as I'm, as I'm doing some pastoral care. And so um, it really changed everything. And so um, I've started to now, finally, you know, you said back in the eighties, you were preaching on sexuality every couple of years or so. And I just did a series in my church, trying to help my church to start feeling more comfortable engaging with it. Because I know my experience has been um, most people in our churches and even pastors, they want to just shy away from it because they, they just don't know where to start. Um, it's not always, I think sometimes they're just afraid, like I'm going to get in here, I'm going to mess it all up or, you know, like I love this person. Um, so like one of the stories I've told is, uh, so I was a youth pastor for 11 years. So, um, I, I dealt with a lot of different, I dealt with different people who struggled with trans, you know, or trans and, and, uh, and same sex attraction. And, and the first couple of times where somebody approached me with that, I was like, I have no idea what to say right now. Like, I love you. I care about you, but I don't know how to talk to you about this in a way that's not going to like blow this whole thing up. And so I just kind of froze and, and then avoided it, which caused so much more pain and hurt because then they thought I was, I was avoiding it because I just didn't know how to handle it. But, but they interpreted that as, oh, see, he's, he's, he's throwing me off. He doesn't actually care about me. And, uh, and that was, I have kind of learned as I've grown up, like you have to just kind of dive in and, uh, and it is kind of messy, but you gotta staying away. It's more hurtful than diving in and maybe, maybe messing up a little bit. Um, would, would you agree with that cat? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like your, your spirit and your soul is going to bleed through, um, those failings. And so I, I think, yeah, like as I was walking with Lori, I mean, she certainly didn't, um, you know, she was, she's same sex attracted, but she, she's not trans, um, and doesn't, and didn't relate to me and resonate with my experience. And so I don't think at all it is necessary that you struggle in the same way, um, to walk alongside someone. And, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, there's built in curiosity and I almost see like that as like a gift from God of, of how he does bring other people together and using that um, so that we can stay curious so that we can stay humble. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. I, uh, um, as, as you were talking, I was, I was thinking, you know, I know sometimes, uh, and some people are afraid to ask a question because they're going to ask a question of like, maybe if I ask this, I'm going to sound really ignorant, but um I don't know. What, did you ever, have you ever felt that way? Like if somebody asked you a question, but like, well, that was really a dumb question. You shouldn't have asked that. Or do you, do you appreciate when somebody's like, I just don't understand, please help. Yeah. I no, I absolutely love, love questions because not only does that, that show 
their curiosity, but it also helps me articulate my experience. Mm. It helps solidify what's going on. And so I think like, I've, I really, you know, you never get another, like a same, the same question almost. It might be the same question, but the tone or that person's context is very different. And so I think that even though I'll get maybe the same question, um, either what I'm experiencing that moment or how they're asking or my relationship with them is going to bring out a different dynamic and a different answer to that. So I think, no, I've, I've loved all of the questions that I've gotten. Um, you know, I think, yeah, when, when it's with, when it's with like a humbleness or like an openness of like really wanting to know, as opposed yeah. to I've had questions where it's like, tell me I'm right in this. Um, but, but yeah, when it's a genuine question, absolutely. I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm so honored that they would feel vulnerable enough to ask. Yeah. That's really helpful. That's a helpful distinction because I think all pastors know this too, in a different context. When somebody comes up to you after a sermon and says, I've got a question for you. Um, you can, you can tell if it's a, they actually want to, if they have a question or if they just want to argue with you. And I've kind of learned over the years, like, if you're just going to argue with me, we're not going to talk about this. But if you actually are curious and want to understand more of what I was saying, I'll talk to you all day long. But if you're just trying to accuse me or trying to trap me or something crazy like that, I don't want to have anything to do with you on that. And, you know, I think the, um, the fear that we deal with is keeping too many of us spiritual leaders, whether we're pastors or youth pastors or elders, deacons, parents. Um, the way the way that I deal with my own fear or my people-pleasing idol is um, I've got to talk to Jesus about that and, and ask him to help me deal with my fears and give me courage and wisdom. I pray all the time, I need wisdom. And when I get that wisdom, I need courage to be able to follow the path that you're laying out to me. So I need both of them. And then I need, I tell people um, that I need people who will encourage me. So I look for people in the congregation who align with a historic Christian view of sexual ethics. And I, and they've let me know that they do. And I tell them how important it is that they pray for me. Mm. And I need to hear from them, especially if they themselves are same-sex attracted and they're walking the pathway of obedience with um, their own sexual lives. Um, I, I, they, they feel isolated themselves quite often. Yes. So, in fact, that's a, that's a very important group in your church it could be just one person in your church but boy do they need pastoral support and the pastors need support from them um to speak with courage that's all we have for this week's pastoral care conversation stay tuned next week to hear dave and kat talk about the importance of gospel boldness relying on the holy spirit and being rooted in christ until then don't forget this is christ church and he bought it with his blood And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight 
in this messy reformation. <laughs>